This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. Hello. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm the host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over the last few weeks at Manchester United, so, as it is, and also the um, little tournament called the World Cup. Uh, Paul, it's been a while before we get into that. How, how have you been doing? You all right? Yeah, not too bad, Wayne. Not too bad. Made a a little venture across to football. I watched um, half a dozen live games and went to a few events as well while I was there. Okay. What did you? What what games did you go and see? Oh, I don't even go there on that one. I've, I think I've got memory loss on those ones. I, I saw half a dozen games in three days. We saw was was doing two games a day. And wow. I know I ain't digging road to a living, but it was tough in that <laughs> sense of getting up and then. Going to get into the game, and then as soon as the game finished, the first game of the day, I should say, when you then we jumped in a jumped in a minibus and then shot straight away to get to the second game with what 20 30 minutes to spare. Then the game's not finishing until midnight, and then it was like start again. And by the time it came to the point of jumping back on the plane to Dubai and then to leave the following day, I was so pleased to jump on the plane home because it'd been a I mean, the whole trip was about nine, ten days. Yeah. So, so I had a few events, World Cup related in in Dubai as well, which with with an extra hour on at Dubai as well made a difference. The games weren't finished until one in the morning. So it was it was it was it was a little bit of a tough one. So much football in such a short space of time, but something that's never really going to be done again because there's not going to be another country of that size that's going to have a World Cup. Well. I don't think so. Anyway, at this moment in time, but you yeah. know, to be able, be able to to be able to just to initially, well, when I was in Qatar to go from one to the other, and just being, you know, in Dubai as well, and then you relax and and then you go again for another game. You know, it, it was it was I thought it was a really a really really good football tournament. You know, and and that's what it was about. It was about football. Yeah. A um, couple of comments in. Yes, Paul. <laughs> You could elaborate on that, but yes, Paul, I, I presume that means a good thing. Um, Tyler says, good morning, lads. Good morning, Tyler. Hope you're well, mate. Um, yeah, I, I had heard that from a couple of people who went to um, a couple of games there. Um, 
Oh yeah, sub to talk of the devils because the content is great. Yes, we like that kind of um, comment first thing, especially when we've been away for a couple of weeks. Uh, Paul, I have heard that from a couple of people. They they went out there and by the end of the second game, it was really strained. You know what I mean? It was a bit tiring. You know, getting to that end of that second game, but um, people did indulge in it while they could because of the uniqueness of it. Um, there was a lot of controversy before the tournament about um, the decision to host it out there and everything like that. What did you um, make of that? I mean, you you did allude to it there. You thought it was a it was a unique thing. It was a the, the tournament itself was held well. Your experience of it being there, you've obviously played in international tournaments. You've been to international tournaments. What did you make of the organisation of it all? Well, I'm fortunate enough to have played in one, and I think I was just as fortunate, maybe even more, to have been able to go to to go to Brazil as well. Yeah. and watch the World Cup in Brazil. And for me, that that was, you know, a fantastic... The only thing that could better that was to have, have ever played a World Cup in Brazil. But then to go to this one, which I wasn't 100%. The people who invited me out kept, you know, they, they were persistent. Um, so I'm glad, they, I'm glad they were because I ended up going and I was more... I think I was like to have gone and seen it, been able to have gone there earlier and then gone to some earlier games, which I missed out on because I didn't get there until... After after the England Wales game, I sorry I arrived just before the England Wales game, but um, I'm I'm football. I don't get involved in anything else really. I stay away from it because it's not my strength. I'd say, but you know we should be talking about a football tournament, and everyone is talking about a football tournament. There's been a few people trying to talk about other things, but pe- people aren't interested. People just want to talk about what a good tournament it was, how good the football was as well over it. There were, you know, there wasn't many bad games. I think the worst game of the tournament, in my opinion, was the first game. You yeah. know, that, that was totally, no, I mean, it was ridiculous. It was poor. The poorest opening game I've ever seen, to be perfectly honest. It was terrible. But when you get, you know, when you look at who the hosts were, you weren't expecting much else, really. Yeah. But when you get people trying to throw things up, to take things away from what we should have been talking about and watching, then you suddenly then you realise and you think about it. We're going to have to put up with this, put up with this for the rest of our lives because of there's so much to talk about because we want to keep digging up history all the time and and if we're going to live in that kind of world now, then we might as well not do anything anymore and just sit down and just turn into fossils. Mm-hmm. To be perfectly honest. Those other platforms are the ones that you, I mean, I know the people that you're speaking about and they're using their platforms to talk about what happened, and, you know, rightly so. I'm not I disagree with that, but we are here to talk about it. Um, leave the politics to the other platforms um, and the people that are educated at doing so and better, with better profile to do so um, affect change. Uh, Billy um, says, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, mate? Um, he says, is it too early to say it was the best World Cup tournament ever? Certainly the best final ever, in my opinion. I, I wouldn't say that it was the best tournament overall. I didn't think the quality was there. But the final, even the final, really, for for a good hour, I thought, you know, Argentina, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a strange one for me. Obviously, the last sort of 50 minutes, including extra time, it was a bonanza. It was incredible. Um, and don't get me wrong, when Argentina were moving forward, they were um, incredible to watch sometimes. But I did find their game management um, 
uncomfortable to watch. And, and, and you're going to get that from an Argentina side, I know. But as soon as they went to goal up, they were breaking the game up. You know, like you've seen it before with Argentine, Argentina sides. And you know that it's part of their composition, part of historically who they are. So you don't really sort of grumble too much about it. But I, I just don't find it pleasing to watch. There were cynical fouls all over the place. They were stopping the game and it took a lot for France... Obviously, France were underperforming as well. It took them a long time to get into it. Um, but it, it, it did then explode into this absolute incredible final. Um, apart from, I would say, like maybe about 40, 40 minutes to an hour. Um, what do you make on Billy's comments um, about, first of all, in the, the best World Cup tournament and then the, the best yeah. one? Um, I think it's going to take a number of years for that for people to talk about it. From, be, from actually being there and walking around it, it was, I mean, I don't think I've ever felt so, so safe at a football ground. Just everyone, the mixture of all different shirts. I mean, the first game I saw in um, when I arrived in Qatar was Argentina v Australia. That was the first game I went to. And again, because I went to, in 2014, I went to the opening game, which was Argentina v Bosnia. Yeah. And this time I went to Argentina, the Australian, we sat in the middle of the Argentinians again. And, I, you know, it was, it, was, it was normally if I was sitting in the middle of, if I was at a Manchester United game and I was sitting in the middle of opposing fans and watching the game, I'd be a little bit on edge. Mm. But I sat there and the only thing I didn't do, I didn't do their funny hand movements and jumping up and down. You know, because I don't think I'm going to convince anyone I'm Argentinian. Um but it was an again. It was a fantastic experience being within those fans outside. The fans were walking past each other. They were chatting, and I think the big thing was, I have to say, you know, there wasn't alcohol around the grounds, and I think it did make a difference. Yeah. I think I think what people do is the same as anything. They find a little bolt hole somewhere else. So what happened was is that people were coming into the grounds late. Every time the media wanted to tell a story, look at the empty seats, but they never actually come out. And when the game had kicked off and said, cool, the stadium looks really full. Because they couldn't say that because the whole agenda was saying, look, no one's watching. But what it was is that people were having a drink elsewhere. And then they was coming in later into the games. Same as for the second game, we was arriving 20 minutes, 30 minutes before kickoff. So... That way, I would, I would, you know, on the on that side of it, that's that's what that's one issue that it made things easier. People didn't feel that maybe weren't over the top. They knew they weren't going to, so they was just waiting and just enjoying the moment rather than rushing off and wanting to put more booze down their neck. Maybe people jumping around, there weren't beer going everywhere. Maybe just bottles of water and the odd coke stain everywhere. When I say coke stain, I mean the drink, of course. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> So I think on that side of it, it was a good. To- everyone enjoyed it, and as as the press has said, there wasn't one, there wasn't one Englishman ref, uh, Englishman, um, um, imprisoned or anything arrested. Um, so on that side of it, I would say it was quite good. For me, the best ever tournament, nineteen eighty two. Yeah, um, and that, that was on the football side of it. But then, when we look at the best final, it's certainly a final that I will remember just for the fact of Argentina were totally in control in the first half, the French were poor, um, and then Argentina. And when we talk about Argentina, when you talk about a mistake, 
there was only one player in that Argentina game, in that Argentina side, that was going to allow Argentina to cock up and make a mistake. And his name is Otamendi. Yeah. He was the only one from the moment I saw him playing that first game, my first game against Australia, and I saw that I saw him playing in a back four in a team that, you know, is one of the favourites. I thought, how can this be with him in the back line? And throughout, he was terrible. The, um, the way he played, the, op- the opportunities gave people, the way he conducted himself against the Dutch, and he'd done exactly the same after the game yesterday as well. Um, he's got no respect for anybody, and he should look at himself in the mirror and call him, be telling himself how lucky he is. But um, when we talk about the first half and then what happened in the back end of the second half and the extra time, I mean, that... That is one that I think we will be talking about. It must be one of the best extra times I've seen in a long, long time. You know, absolutely amazing. And when you talk about getting into players' faces and the goalkeeper, Martinez, what he'd done, I think it would end up a brawl if that was a Premier League, if he was attempt to do anything like that. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, if if he had done that, doesn't matter how big he is or anything, you're not... You know, you're not going to allow that. A referee, he wouldn't have tried to do that in the Premier League. He'd done that because he had all his teammates and that mentality, the Argentinian mentality come into Martinez. The Aston Villa one went to bed. The, the real Martinez, the, the, you know, the boy from Argentina come out and in for, for what happened in that penalty shootout. But it's got him a gold medal. Yeah. Um I remember him at Old Trafford last season um, after it was Fernandez in the last minute. He, he was doing similar stuff then and he's so unlikable. Um, don't get me wrong, very effective. Um, and I guess if he's playing for your team, you would enjoy someone being that uh, provocative. I didn't enjoy it, I'm going to be honest. I thought, I did, you know, like you've got enough great storylines in this um, Argentina side. And I just thought that you mentioned a couple of episodes there. I think they just sort of let it down a little bit. But like you said, and anyone who's studied anything to do with Argentina history, even going back to Maradona and everything like that, you know, they win. They they, they want to win in any way possible, and they're not they're not going to um, apologise for the way in which to do it. Um, I will say we've got. A, I mean, that's a good summary there. I mean, Billy. You know, I think everyone's going to be saying it's the best final ever, um, but there are a couple in there. He's, he's definitely in that conversation for sure. AG Game Spoilers asks, who was the best player in the World Cup, in, in our opinion? Uh, Paul, I'll let you answer first. Unless you want me to go. Do you want me to go? I want you to go. I, mean, I really need to think about this one. Yeah. Um, okay. That is a tough one. Um, I will say, I know that the narrative is about Messi and what he achieved, and I don't want to take anything away from that because he's a magnificent player and it's good and fitting that he's got a World Cup because he was desperate for it. And it was a great moment to see one of the greatest ever win the accolade in in the way that he wanted to do it. Um, I will say from the performance in the tournament, I don't think it was quite on the level of Maradona in 86. I think Maradona's imprints roll over those games, whereas Messi, he has had moments, don't get me wrong, and they have influenced games, but I think he's been, he's been, he was nowhere near as what dominant, uh, as dominant as Maradona was in 86. And I understand, you know, Maradona was a lot younger, he was close to his peak and everything like that, so that's possibly a reason why I'm just, I'm just giving 
my explanation on that. Um, and I don't think Messi was the best player at this World Cup. Um, I, I do think, even though my opinion is that it's um, Mbappe, I still think that Mbappe was in moments as well. He was in moments yesterday. He didn't really come alive until <coughs> 75 minutes. Um, but then you look at it and you said the game today, um, the sport today, is about moments, really, because the, the game's played in slower patterns and then they wait for someone to come alive and dictate the pace of the game. And that's what Mbappe did. He exploded in that sort of extra time and the period just before it. Uh, he was he was unplayable and you see you see why in, in those situations. I remember is it the last minute of extra time he was he was running, taking on the defence with the energy of someone who was playing in the first minute. Do you know and that's partly credit to Mbappe, but also partly an explanation of how slow the game is these days that a player can afford to they can conserve the energy and then burst in the last couple of minutes. You didn't see it back in as I said back in our day, back in the days of even 20 years ago, players have been knackered at the end of extra time making mistakes. I, I allow you to say in our day, you can say that way, okay. Normally it's old fogies like me who say that, but I allow you that. Um yeah, so I still think Mbappe because you look at what he did over the tournament. He was the most threatening player over the tournament. There were all those moments before the final where he, he was sensational. <laughs> were incredible. But then to do what he did in the final yesterday, I know people will talk about um, it being Messi's moment, and rightly so in a way because he's got the he's got the trophy, he's got the medal. But I think that was Mbappe's day. That was the day in which he, you know, like. Players over generations have strived to do something like that. A statement performance in the biggest game in the world. And Mbappe absolutely dominated it for, in, in, in more than another, in a way that was more than any other player. And for that, I, I would have him as my player of the tournament. Um, what, what do you think? Well, lucky, lucky enough, you were talking and, and you got you definitely went into it. So that allowed me time to really think about it. And I'm going, I would say my player is completely different. And you, you've kind of said it for me, the reason the reason why is because you talked about football being in moments now, and I think that's, you said there, something that <clears throat> resonates with me so much is, <clears throat> but I never, I never, had, never come out with those words, and it is football. We're never going to see games controlled by, such controlled by individuals anymore, because the game's not allowed to go any, to, to go, to carry on anymore. The game is, doesn't go in, the ball doesn't stay in play as long as it used to. The referees are giving away weak fouls. Players are throwing themselves to the floor. So, in theory, to stop teams and individuals getting hold of the game. So it's not the same anymore. But I, I saw something, and I use those words again, back in the day today, back in the day. An individual who I just love, I love watching him because he was a focal point, the heartbeat of a team <clears throat> in all areas. <clears throat> and if he had, um, if he'd have played for a, big team, a big nation, everyone would have been raving about him. They'd have been saying this about him. They'd have been, he would have had everything thrown at him if he'd have been playing for a big nation. <clears throat> this man played for a, a team that no one, no one talked about before the World Cup, to be perfectly honest. There was just um, a country of people, who, everyone who wore funny hats. Amrabat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a, what, what a player. What a standout player <clears throat> and he done it excuse me now every game I watched every yeah. game I watched Morocco play he was no different he didn't 
He didn't hide anywhere. He got on the ball. He ran forward of the ball. He won the ball back. He gave it to one of his players. <clears throat> and when he had to get out of trouble, had to beat people, he beat them. The challenge he made on Mbappe on the byline was incredible. Yeah. Now, when, when you're about going back in the day, that was an incredible, incredible. Mbappe wanted to roll around. He was desperate. But because the referee said, and in certain, there's a there was some good, uh, hopefully our referees take note of, of this as well, that referees in certain bits of it allowed games to go on. <clears throat> they, they, they made their own minds up. They didn't allow to be dictated to or allow people in a room to make decisions for them. They just went, that's not a foul. And they carried on. They, 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 play, they played a hunch more than anything. It was a hunch, believing that the players faked it. And that Bappy one, he tried it, and you could see him looking up, and it carried on. And then 10 yards of limping, and back then he was on to his next sprint. Yeah. But he was he was fantastic from start to finish. Yeah. And every, for me, he was the player of the tournament. But because he's not a big nation, he doesn't get a mention. But when I look at people, I look at people who, don't know, people who who are footballers because they've worked, because there's something they've done all their life. Yeah. From the, the moment they were kids, they were street players. They were everything about them. They've done, you know, they just wanted to be a footballer. And that's what he was. And that's why I'm a lover of Messi before Ronaldo, because Messi was a street footballer who played yeah. in the streets. For me, I'd, I'd say Ronaldo become a good player. That's what that's what he did. He became a very, very good player. Messi was always a good player. And the reason why he's still so good now, because he's still playing from what he learned from when he was a kid on the streets. Yeah. Well, I mean, the people are going to say that that debate's over. People are going to say it's just going to continue going on. It's obviously going to continue because people who have got strong opinions on either side, yeah. it'd be idiotic to say it's, it's over, it's going to continue. But Messi's definitely strengthened his case for that argument. We've got a few more questions in. Billy, um, he says, I thought Christian Romero set a tone elbow in his own teammate at Spurs, Lloris, earlier on. Argentina would have done anything to win that game yet. Yeah. And Mike, uh, good morning, Mike. Hope you're doing well. He asks us a question, which is on that similar point, really. As a professional footballer, Paul, is it is it winning or is there something to be said for winning the right way? I believe in I believe in winning the right way. I think that, I think there's a little bit in win at all costs. It's important because it's it's the thing you live and die really of is winning games. It's as simple as that. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be most would be talking to I'm talking to you, Wayne, and. People most wouldn't be listening if I had been Paul Park, who played in a in a failed in a failed Manchester United team, who won nothing, achieved nothing. It's as simple as that. So winning is important at all cost. I think we have to say there's variations there, but there's still the right way. Sir Alex Ferguson had his way, which I believe, and which I still will always stand with when when I when I get in kind of heated debates with people, the right way and the wrong way, and, and his way was the right way in winning games of football. So I would say there is, an, and that's with respect as well, that as much as people hate you, they love you for the way you've gone and done it, for the football you've played and the manner you've gone and done it. And still a, about when you when you win, you, you don't have to poke fun at your opponents. Yeah. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter if you bear a grudge, someone's done something. The best way to deal with it is to smile shake hands 
And then maybe when you turn away, you get in a dressing room, you find somewhere, walking maybe into a cubicle, and you have the biggest smile, the biggest laugh after. But you don't have to push things in people's faces. Because the one thing about football, <clears throat> unless you're going to retire the next day, there's always another game. Exactly. Yeah, and in to, and in today's life, given social media, it's amazing how people can flick things around and show things here from year before, two years before, ten years before. Always got to be wary of that. So the likes of Otamendi has got to remember that. Yeah, I remember Otamendi getting turned by Rashford on on Rashford's first derby. Um, mm. You know, he's he's not really been a convincing defender, but. He's a welcome winner, so what do I know? Um, mm. So one, one last question before we move on to United-related World Cup content. Billy asks, your thoughts on Southgate staying on as manager? Can't argue he's done a great job, but does that does he hold the team back with his sometimes negative tactics in the big games? And I, I guess that's the talking point, isn't it, Paul? I mean, obviously England did well. France were a better side. You can't disagree with that. And even then, England put up a really strong performance in, in that game. And, it did seem to come down to that sort of 60 to 70 minute mark where you just thought he could make a change here. Maybe Rashford, maybe another player, but he could make a change and he just he just hesitated. He didn't make the right kind of, you know, his mount, which wasn't didn't seem like a really convincing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what do you make on Billy's question? Um, right, for the first part of it um, is that I'm... I'm I'm pleased that he's staying because if we did, if he was to say he was going, I would say, who's going to be the manager next? I don't want a foreign manager. I want an English manager to be English, an England manager to be English. You're third world if you have a foreign manager. The, you know, the great nations do not have foreign managers. It's as simple as that. So I don't know all these people calling for it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, when you talk about, you know, I think he's done a No one's done a better job than him, except, um, except really in theory, Sir Ralph Ramsey. Yeah. He's been to he's been to two semi finals. Sorry, he's been yeah, he's been to two semis, he's been to a final, and now he's been to a quarter final. So yeah, you know, when you look at what he's done in his in his last um three three yeah, three tournaments, he, he hasn't done too bad, is he really? Better better than better than everybody, really, except for that one man Samat Busby. Um but when we, 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 so, what did I say? That's all right. That's all right. Lucky enough, yeah. Um, so when people talk about his tactics, um, we've got to be careful because of... We should be careful because we're, we're all individuals. Other people have got their job and no one would like someone to be telling them that they're doing their jobs wrong and they know it better than you. When when you've done it all your life, you've sat down, you've done, you've done the hours on the training ground, on the training field... You've been logging everything. You've been doing it all, and then you got to, then you got to make judgment calls, quick judgment calls, split second ones. I think the um, Deschamps um, decision just before half time. There'd be a few managers doing that now. Yeah, you're making changes like that. And to be honest, you've got so many subs now. Why can't you? Don't you know? You can't worry because a player's going to, you know, throw his dummy out because he's going to be taken off before half time. It's not a nice feeling to be taken off then. You feel you've been blamed for things, but it's, it's called tactics. And I think a lot of managers are scared with certain players to make those decisions. To take off Giroud was a big decision by Am um, But you make but we look at where France where France got to in the end it was the right decision. 
in the end because it, it kept him in it. It kept him in, in the game longer. But I look at Southgate and everyone wants to question. He's, he's not really holding the players back. It's the players who do it themselves because there's only a certain amount the manager can do. If he says, I want you to keep running forward, running forward, then all of a sudden that player keeps running forward and the man's going the other way. His man who he's up against is not going with him, but he's causing problems. My midfield, midfield player is going to go, you've got to track back. I need help here. I can't do it on my own. So that player, take, that's what happens. Players will work their own things out. Players don't always do what managers tell them. It's a fact of life. So you can't always keep blaming him for that. I think he's got to do now is that he's got to get Phil Foden on the park and he's got to virtually yeah. turn around, as the boss said to all of us when Eric played, is that when Eric wants the ball, you give it to him. He virtually said, Eric's our best player. He's the best passer. He can find a player. He can score great goals. Just give him the ball. And that's the way he's got to work with Foden. We don't do that as England players. The players will not give it to him. They will not give it to him <clears throat> because I think a lot of them play for themselves. They're worried about their stats. They're worried about if they give the ball to Phil in a tight area, he might lose it. He might affect their stats. Um, there's, there's, there's issues still going on, I think, there in the way that England play. But, you know, if you've got someone like Phil Foden, you see that he plays regular in the best side in the country. The best manager, maybe in world football, plays him in the big games. He plays in tight areas. He's maybe the only player, England player, who can actually get in a 20, who would who would have, fitted in quite nicely in the Barcelona 2011 team. Um, the way he plays, when he's on the ball, he moves it quickly. He takes it off his line. He runs He runs two, three yards to create space um, to take people away or trying to man-mark him. He runs without the ball. So, Graham's, um, so um, Gareth Southgate has really got to look at what he's got, make his mind up on his best 11, and be like Bobby Robson and stick with him and believe in them and not worry about what the press want to tell him because all these people who sit in the, pr the, the press, um, the journalists, you know, there's a, there's a lot of them out there. There's the, the experienced ones who know it, who went through the Bobby Robson era, some of them I remember. And there's the slightly younger ones, the ones I remember from Manchester United who are still around. And, um, and then ones un they're the ones who understand. But the biggest problems are the ones who use laptops they don't talk to players anymore, not because the players generally don't want to talk to them. They don't want to talk to players because they don't want to create familiarity because they think that might affect them. You know, at the end of the day, you can be you can be black and white. People understand you're doing your job. If someone's made a mistake, you've got to be able to tell them. If you can't, if you if you have a friend and you can't tell a friend that there's a problem, then really, in theory, that's not your friend. And that's and that's yeah. how it works for me with journalists in that way. So, Gareth Southgate. Should have the job because what's in black and white about his career so far, it'd be mad to get rid of him. Um, I think it'd be foolish to walk away from what he's done. He's got two years left in his contract. He should, you know, he'd be making up his mind now. He might have said already, this is my final two years, and he should try and finish him on a high. And if that means yeah. going to the Euros in Germany and getting to a semi final, then hopefully getting to a final, then. That should be his aim, because I think he has to look at being in the semi-final. England have to beat a top team. Have to beat a top yeah. team. We, we, don't, we don't beat them when it matters, but that's not always down to him. I say you've got to put, there's more emphasis on the players in those games, because it's about the players. 
who have, who have got a habit on the park. The manager can tell them to be strong, to be brave, to be positive, get on the ball, do this. But if the player gets out there, <clears throat> then all of a sudden something goes in their heads and then all of a sudden it affects their heart. Then worst of all, they suddenly feel a little bit like they want to be physically sick and they haven't got it. He can't do anything about that. So we've got yeah. to get out of this this world we're in at the moment in this country of calling Gareth Southgate, saying that, um, what they say? They say, um, oh, he hasn't got a plan B. Um, he's got to take the handbrake off. They're blaming him when he's not one of the 11 on the park. It's about the players he puts out there. And, you know, we keep hearing about these players are good enough. Now, look what they do in the Premier League. We have to remember in the Premier League, and I know I'm going on a bit, but they play with seriously good foreign players, overseas yeah. players who are incredibly good. And those players amalgamate into them and they become good players with them. So we have to say is that we can't judge the players off of what they do for their clubs as much. We can go over a little bit, but, but they're not going to be the same players. John Barnes, maybe one of England's greatest ever players. We'll talk about him in that vein. But he took a lot of stick when he played. He, him and Chris Waddle got slaughtered playing for their country. But you have to remember, more so with um, John Barnes. John Barnes was playing an incredible Liverpool team at that given time. And then he was coming to play in an England team with players, maybe one of them, who weren't maybe up to the standards that he was used to playing with at Liverpool. And everyone took it out on him and blamed him and said he was, he was rubbish for his country. It's about the players who are around you. They're the ones who make it. No player is, is good in his own. Messi can't win a game of football on his own. He'll have his moments and he'll dribble around five players. But there'll be, there'll be another five outfield players ready to take the ball off him after he beats yeah. that first five. You can't win a game on your own. It's about a team. England have to become a team first. Argentina won a World Cup because they were are a team with, with an yeah. incredible individual who can make opportunities. Yeah. If we become and, if we and, become a team, we can we if we become a team, we can achieve something because we've got one or two good individuals. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you mentioned Foden, and I completely agree. Even though he plays for City, the other one um, I do want to give a special mention to before we move on um, is Bellingham. Because I thought he was outstanding. If you he was nine, he's nineteen. So if he's uh, taken, he was so good against France. I mean, you've seen England players sort of drop the shoulders against uh, teams that never set back. But Bellingham dragged um, England into that game, um, made it competitive. So if you've got a player like Bellingham who, who does play with the kind of attributes in which you just described, and he's only going to benefit from that experience. If you've got a, a magician like Foden, then it's a really good basis to, to build around for, for 2024 for sure. Um, I, I do want to ask very quickly about because um, I'm going to be asking you a four pronged question here. So as quickly as you can to summarise, how you think um, you were a defender who really excelled in a World Cup? How do you think each of the United defenders played during the tournament? And that would be, I guess, we'll go through Maguire, Shaw, Varane. And Martinez, Adalo, I think was a bit mixed. But if we go with those four, the main ones, um, Maguire, yeah. still for England, first of all, how do you think they did? I thought Luke, I thought Luke Shaw done well. I can't really be critical of Luke Shaw, to be perfectly honest. I think he was steady, not outstanding, but he was steady over over those over those games. You have to say he was steady. There wasn't any issues. I think that um, so Luke Shaw for me 
done himself justice coming off the back of a of a difficult first half of the season. It was a difficult start for him because he wasn't playing. And he's fought through that. He earned the right to he'd come back into the team, earned the right to stay in the team and carried on doing what he was doing. He's never yeah. going to be outstanding because he, he doesn't suit the narrative of today's fullbacks. His body shape, what people are looking for, he's he's not agile, but he is a straightforward, straight line runner up and down. <clears throat> so he's he's done a good job. Um Harry Maguire, um we have to say he was Harry Maguire, really. I think the, I think there was friends in the press who were trying to help him out in certain bits. But had, did he do enough there to prove to Ten Hag that he should be playing for Manchester United? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Ponderous on the ball. Um, I watch centre-halves of other teams, other nations. He's the slowest one with the ball at his feet. Never doesn't shift the ball quick enough. Takes too long in it, too quick to blame other people. Anything that goes wrong around him, he wants to. He's, he's, he's a modern day Tony Adams with his arms in the air at the assistant referee all the time. Um, got caught out for two goals in the tournament, we have to say. I think in the first, um, the goal against the. Um, cross the line, what was it? It was the first game was Iran, then we, um, it was the USA, wasn't it? The USA game, he got caught out. And then the we, we drew nil nil against USA. Was it USA? I think it was Iran. Iran. We Iran. Yeah, well. I think it was Iran game. Then it must have been. Yeah, the second goal. It must have. Been, I think their second goal when, it, when it, he got got across him, and for the Giroud goal as well, <clears throat> he got caught out and he caught out Giroud has lumbered in front of him far too easily. Um, Varane, I really don't know with Varane. <clears throat> Varane playing with Martinez. Martinez, I should say, those two looked very good together, complemented each other. Varane was being led by um, Martinez, so he looked all right for United. In the front, he looked very tentative when he's playing. He's, I never realised as well, he's got very un- unsteady legs. He hasn't got the strongest legs in the world when you look at him. When you just look at him, you, you, just, go, you just go, wow. You know, that's not legs I was expecting with a footballer, to be perfectly honest. So, but... France got to a semi-final. He's a World Cup win already. Sorry, he's, he's he got to a final. He's got to two finals now. Sorry, one one, lost one. It's not not a bad return. Um, Martin um, Martinez deserves to be playing. To be perfectly honest, yeah. I don't understand why why he wasn't playing. Every t- I saw him come on a sub against Australia. Within two seconds, he makes a great tackle on the far side to where I was on the byline. Makes a great block on the lad. Australian lad made a late run, made a run with the ball, a dribble into the box. He makes a tackle, eight yards from the angle of the box. He doesn't make that tackle. They go, they go and get themselves back into the game. He done that running from the left across to the right. Yeah. Um, the, his great strength is that he senses danger, and you can't coach that. He sees danger, or he, he just, or he's a control freak. One of the two. But whatever he does, he, he does it really well. He he was brilliant. I thought he was brilliant when he got when he had his when he got his chances. And for him not to have played in that final, I still don't understand why he wasn't playing, especially when they didn't have a natural left-sided defender there as well. Um, I saw him. He beat Van Dyke in the air. 
he'd done Van Dijk and he only edge of his own box in that Dutch in the game against Holland. So Martinez done, done, you know, for me, done really, really well. So they should come back. <clears throat> I think the first game we should see Varane. So that Varane come off, didn't he? But we don't know really how in, how serious it was. We saw him at Old Trafford crying his eyes out. I thought the World Cup was over. I mean, I was surprised when I saw he was in the squad, and I didn't really didn't look at the French squad really because no one talked about him. I just assumed he weren't fit. So I'll expect to see him on Boxing Day playing for United. So expect to see him and Martinez playing as centre halves for Manchester United. Yeah, um, well, they definitely enhanced their reputation as a starting pair by getting to the final, for sure. Um, it's a good thing for United that both of their centre-halves are World Cup winners. Um, so, moving on then, um, obviously the, the timing of the World Cup has been a big thing. In, in sort of domestic football, it's a bad time for United you know, to, for this break to come because they'd had a, a little bit of a stumbling fall, the Ronaldo thing going on. And then they, you know, they won in the League Cup. They won against Fulham in the last minute. You've got that momentum. You kind of want it to keep pushing on. The players have obviously been playing in the meantime. But normally, in an international tournament, Paul, you have the you have the tournament. You have a couple of weeks holiday. Then you're back in pre-season training, and then you've got like a month of pre-season training bonding to get back together. And then even then, people aren't expecting you to be on your A game from. It's a different thing with United. People don't expect that every single game, but you still have pre-season rust. They say, oh, it'll take a few games to get up to speed. I know that every club's going to be in that same boat at the moment, but you know, do you think it's going to take a little bit of time for these players to be... It's not just a physical um, thing, it's an emotional thing. You know, A lot for these the players who got to the final... like. Varane, he got to the final and lost. Martinez got to the final and won. What's their mentality going to be like? They're going to be back in a team in eight days' time, expected to win every single game of football. Um, do you think it's going to it's going to be a bit weird to look at the effects of the World Cup and see how it um, lands on these players? I think it'll be. I think it's it's not going to be that bad coming straight into it, Wayne. Really, rather than. You know, I remember myself coming back and I come back and I didn't go straight back into it. I had um, torn, um, to, I, had, I had a double hernia operation when I come back. No, sorry, I had a double hernia. No, I, I had, yeah, I had one when I come back. So then it took me a while to get into it. I think my next, when I come back, my first game was against Manchester United at Old Trafford. I remember I was, I was wearing like skin diver kind of shorts underneath my normal shorts. So for me to come back, but I just remember it and it was it was great going back. And all you want to do is just get on and just play football. And I was hindered, so I just wanted to play. Yeah. I think uh, I think Martinez will come back and he's going to want to play. He mostly, He's going to be on a massive high. And to be honest, and I think you, everyone knows what he's like, he'll just get out of there and he'll carry on as normal. I can't, I, there won't be a change. And he, he won, he's one of those players and, you know, when, having a World Cup winner's medal will not affect him in the slightest because he wants, he wants more. He wants club medals for Manchester mm. United. And I don't think he'll allow anything to stand in his way. And he won't allow a teammate to hinder that opportunity either. He, um, we have to say with Varane, he's been, he's, he's been there as, a, as winning one. He's lost one now, but he's been to a final. No one can, no one can take away everything he's succeed. You know that he's done in his career already. So we, 
he should be mature enough to to carry on and get on with it. You know, we the thing about it though is I just think the media, the press will push will push to try and push that narrative when a player is struggling, the players, you know, having a bad game, you know, from being tired when they're having a bad game, they're gonna say, Oh, he's he's you know, he's got trauma from the World Cup, he's emotionally emotionally tired from the World Cup, he'd find things to where normally you just go out and say the person's human, he's having a bad game. You know, that can happen. It happened in the from when from day dot of football, that someone has a bad game, he's human, he's had a bad game. Someone yeah. has a good game, he's human. There's never nothing wrong with anybody when he's had a good game. But inside, you don't know if that person's tired. But I'll never say that yeah. because he's had a good game. So I don't think there'll be going straight back into it isn't a bad thing, in my opinion, sometimes, rather than if it's, you've got two weeks after, that means two weeks to party, two weeks where everyone's slapping your back. This, do this, let's do that, do that, grabbing it. He's got to come back into it. Everyone knows he's coming straight back into work. Woof, take a step back. We can't do anything at this moment. We have to wait until May before we can actually progress and go and do anything else. So I think it will just stop, you know, the um the treasure hunters from grabbing on grabbing on to things because players have to go straight back into work. And if the clubs are strong, they will get hold of the players and say, This is now, this is your bread and butter, this is important, and not allow the players to to try and get involved in all these kind of stuff that norm that generally bounces back off of a World Cup. What about the fact that it's at Christmas time? I mean, obviously the routine is different every single year. You know, Christmas is like a unique thing to British football. Um to come back in, there's Christmas, there's Boxing Day, and actually it's is quite a packed period of time. There's four at least three games from Boxing Day to well Boxing Day, then um the thirtieth or thirty first and then the third of January. So I know it's not like a, a massive uh, back-breaking exercise for the players, but it's still nonetheless a, a packed schedule at Christmas time when, you know, the idea would be, oh, you can let yourself not let yourself go on, on Christmas Day. You certainly can't do that because you're a professional, but Christmas Day is a different emotional experience. You're with your family. You might go in and train as well, but it's still a unique thing in British football. So you've got not... Just coming back from the World Cup, you've got Christmas as well. Do you think that that might compound it? Or do you think the fact that there's a, a bunch of games coming up, that, that might actually help the togetherness of the squad? I think, I mean, they, they, there was an old saying, but it seems like they're trying to, you know, discard it now, is that you'd rather you'd rather play games than train. Yeah. You know, and you know, and players want to play a game. You want everything that goes with it. You want to play over Christmas because you know that everyone's watching. Everyone's watching his games. It was always a really good time to play football. Um, the bonus is now is that it's not a squad of 16 players now, is it? You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's over 25 players. And you're in the Premier League, so you're allowed, you can get 20, you know, you can have a squad of 25 decent players. So you've got to utilise, you know, you use, utilise that squad. Every manager comes on, he says, oh, my, when they win a game of football, your team played great today. No. My squad did it. It's all about the squads. But when they get a couple of injuries or when we had our pandemic, oh, the squad, the squad wasn't, no, we can't, we, we can't play. So they've got to make their mind up. They've either got a good squad or they're just getting players for the sake of it. So you utilise your squad. So simply, lucky, you know, the Premier League stopped playing, the Championship stopped playing, but come back earlier. 
had to come back earlier. The other sides, you know, the other sides in the first, second division, national, have had to keep playing. They're going to have to keep playing games over that same period. So they're no different to anyone else. So, we, you know, we're highlighting players more so because they're earning a load of money. Yeah. Rather than the ones who are having to play because they need really need to earn the money. So we have to stop this kind of pampering these players when in theory they're doing something that they love and they should be going through brick walls to play in every single game. Because when you, at the end of the season, at the end of your career, you want to have played as many games as possible. As many yeah. games as can. And I look at me, I never played enough games. I, I wish I'd have played more games. And that's, that's what they should be aiming for. But we shouldn't take it away from them. I keep talking about how tired they are and are oh, you playing too many games? And is it right that you should come back from World Cup? And should you have five weeks off to, to rest? No, <laughs> it's your job. It's something you're doing what you love and you're not going out every single day from, you know, from morning till night. So, you know, I'm one of the, you know, I, I live in, I live in the old world of it, of what football should be rather than, you know, and what it is now. Yeah. Um, we're not going to preview the games. I'm going to run, because we've got a lot of questions in here that I'm just going to come yeah. to before. And we don't really know the composition of the team or anything like that. What players are back in training and who's going to be mm. playing in the League Cup game or thing. I don't think we'll be doing a pod next week, so it'll be Boxing Day. So it'll be the week after that. Probably we'll come back and, and review those games. Um, I do want to, there's two questions I'm not going to ignore. I'm going to put them on and maybe we'll come to them the next time we do a pod. Um, but I don't think there's enough time to really go into them or do the answers justice. So Billy has asked our thoughts on Sancho right now. Seems to be something both physically and mentally holding him back at the moment. I, I'm just going to, I've put it up there because I don't want to say that we're ignoring it, but I'm not going to speculate at this moment in time. He was on his own individual training uh, routine. Maybe in a couple of weeks' time, if he's not played, we'll come back and discuss that. Um, and another question here about opinion on Malassia the World Cup not doing anything we'll, we'll discuss that next time as well because I think um, that will be um, we'll, we'll see an effect either way if Malassia plays or doesn't and I think it'll give us better education to answer that but a couple that I do want to come to just before we, we um, leave the podcast for this week Nikos asks um, he says morning lads do we need to sign a replacement striker in January to finish in the top four um, this is the age-old question, Paul. Um, is Martial enough? Do you know, he, he was back. He's been playing the friendlies. Is it enough that Martial's there? Um, do United need to go into the transfer market? I mean, everyone knows the financial situation. There's not a lot of cash there, so it'd be probably a loan or a short-term kind of signing in the sort of vein of Igolo. And you don't really know how many of those kind of strikers are available. Um, can United get through the rest of the season finishing in the top four uh, with the strike forwards, uh, the strike force that they've got, or do they need to get another one in? They need to get another one in because they're, they're easy to defend against. <clears throat> Simple as that. Teams will know that Martial's never going to run behind. He's, he's not that kind. He doesn't play. He's not a centre forward. He won't use what he has got, his good pace, to, to look to run without the ball in behind. So teams will squeeze higher. That means they can close down quicker as well in midfield. So they need someone now, even if it's someone, a youngster who's, who's learning, they need someone who can just play that role, who they can bounce off when they're attacking. 
someone who's technically very good, who wants to drop in, can even spin and go behind to keep defenders, centre-halves on their toes. So is Martial the, the, should he be the only option? No, he shouldn't because you can't rely on him. You don't know when he's going to get injured next or he's not in the mood for it. So common sense says that Manchester United have to sign a striker. Yeah, that's a good um, good way of putting it. Also, I mean, if Garnacho continues with his emergence, you might see Rashford play through the middle. And I'm not saying he's ever convinced fully as a natural striker, but there was a suggestion that he's benefiting from the training with Benny McArthur. You've seen him a little bit more physical in the head, in the air in the last couple of games. So maybe we'll, we'll see how that happens. Uh, Patrick um, says good morning. Morning, Patrick. Hope you're doing well. Um, just this last question to close on, really, Paul. Um, he says, observing Ten Hag since he took up the reins, I guess we'll especially, we'll especially um, focus on the World Cup. Even during the World Cup break, he really seems to exude decisiveness, e.g. the handling of Ronaldo, Maguire, his response in public to the club sale. He seems clear on what he wants. He wants to win and win in a certain manner. I think we'll see the tangible fruits next season, which is, you know, obviously a great summary. I mean, in terms of the fact that United haven't played, the way that Ten Hag has been able to conduct himself, even the friendlies weren't great, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, at least the players got minutes. But in terms of the public actions that he's, he's come out and spoke about, he handled the Ronaldo thing with um, swift clarity and for the good of the club, and he's put him in a stronger position. And the way that he's talked about the um, ownership structure at the moment and the potential implications moving forward, he's handled himself really well. When, you know, previous managers, I remember, you know, you look at David Moyes saying that we hope to make it difficult for Newcastle to come to United. And what I'm trying to say is he seems to be handling the public spotlight of United very well. And these are two very high-profile things he's had to deal with, even with the fact that United haven't played any games um, so even though he hasn't had anything to do with the World Cup, it's been a, a fairly good World Cup for Ten Hag, hasn't it? Yeah, in that sense, the way he's come across, you have to say as well, remember that he's managed a big club before, isn't he? Yeah, of course. In, in, you know, when we talk about Ajax, you know, the, the biggest club in, in Dutch football, and when you talk about in Europe, that you know the, in, in what they are in, in European football and what they're, they're known in world football as well. So he's been, you know, at the helm of a top club so he understands, you know, what to say, what not to say, and how to to deal with it, certain individuals. Be it that we're talking a different level to Manchester United, but you know, everyone knows Ajax and, and that you know that football club. Everyone, everyone's fully aware of what goes with it. So I look at the situation now, and what is in is the biggest concern for me is what happens when it got mentioned, just mentioned in there about next season. Is he going to be able to go and do similar shopping to what he done, you know, this for this season? If he can do that, then things are, things are step forward. But as we're seeing before, that, that first, after that first season, you know, that next the next time around, that's where difficulties have started. So I'm hoping, you know, he's the first one to come in and be in the position he's in. The way he's talked, he's just said the right things. And he means it as well. He's dealt with the players well. He's allowed no one to walk all over him. He's made strong decisions. So I'm quite looking forward to this second half of the season, to be perfectly honest, to see what difference it makes not to have Ronaldo in the dressing room. 
how the players deal with that, how, what happens there. Um, I'm looking to see what he, what he can do regarding the situation of a centre-forward. You know, everyone wants a centre-forward. You know, everyone wants one. Every day, 365 days a year, every manager wants a centre-forward. It's as simple as that. So when, you only get, when you've only got a summer and a, and a January to buy one, to get one in, you don't know, do you? At the moment, you, it's not about Manchester United going out and looking for a 15-goal-a-season centre-forward. They need someone who can be a centre-forward who you can nurture, someone you can you know, you can coach into becoming one because when they turn up, you never know. And all of a sudden, bang, they, they become goal scorers. Very, you know, you can't just go out and be in January and go and bring in a 15 to 30 goal season goal um, centre forward. It doesn't work that way. But it's, it's easy to go and find a player and bring them in. All of a sudden, you find that this you know, person is made for Manchester United in the way they play. There's something about them. And all of a sudden... They become something, and it goes on. Eric comes to mind. Yeah. You know, everyone at first called Sir Alex. Why would you go and get him for? He's 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 wrong. He's not right and he, Look what happened in France. He's fallen out with um, Howard Wilkinson. He's a problem. Don't bring him. And some people are made to play for certain clubs. And it's yeah. about finding that. It's about finding that player. Now, if he can go and do that, and then he's starting a lot earlier than what Sir Alex did. If he can go and find that player, or find those players, because Sir Alex found more than one. So um, I, I'm quite looking forward to it. I must say, um, looking forward, you know, just to the fact of there's been this kind of gap in between the Premier League. Lucky enough, there was football in between it to watch as well. Now I'm looking for the, the next stage of it and waiting for the gossip to start now between now and Boxing Day about who's going to win the Premier League. Are Arsenal going to, you know, going to? keep their five points at the top. Are they, going, are they going to be able to hold in there? And if Manchester United are going to be able to guarantee a Champions League spot by late March. Yeah. Um, Patrick says, spot on. We need to find a raw diamond of striking option for the second half. And yeah, Paul, you said it perfectly. It's about judgment of a player that might not seem obvious at, purse, at first. Um Another comment in saying this has been a great stream. Thanks for this. No problem. We're here most Mondays, obviously not next Monday because it's Boxing Day, but the, the one after we'll I'll try and um, pull 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 out of a post pull pull out of a post New Year um, slumber, which I'm sure I'll be in more than what Paul is um, for sure. But yeah, I think that's a great point that you made about the striker um, and. I mean, if anyone has earned the right to say his judgment has been pretty good so far, it's been ten out. So if he finds one, then I'm pretty sure um, that um, we'll get it right. Um, Nico says thanks, Paul uh, Wayne and Paul. Great show. Merry Christmas to all. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everyone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting the podcast through the years. Really appreciate it. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook. Um, please feel free to subscribe and like the channel and everything like that. And if you're listening back on the audio podcast, please be sure to like and subscribe and give us a review on the platform you're listening on. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, I think that will be the new year by that point. So um, until then, you know, Merry Christmas, have a great new year, and we will see you then to talk about um, United's form in the meantime. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.